0: for tuning in to the Believer's Church of Johnson City podcast. We are grateful you've stopped by. Regardless of where you are in your faith journey, we hope today's teaching is both challenging and also encourages you to move closer to Jesus. You can subscribe to the podcast if you want weekly messages, leave a review about your experience, and if you wish to become a giving partner, you can do so by giving online at believerschurch.tv. And of course, we want to encourage you to come see us in person. We're located at 6110 Kingsport Highway in Johnson City, Tennessee. As always, we hope you enjoy today's message. As I look back at my time pastoring in Kentucky, I I could give you guys so many wonderful memories, so many wonderful, some not so wonderful ministry is difficult. But so many amazing memories, and one of the things that that stands out in my mind the most that that I was able to take part in and that the church was able to take part in were these activities that we had outside of the church. We actually called this ministry Outside the Walls is what we called it, and it was really strong in the first year, year and a half that I was there. And basically what we would do is we would take groups of people to low-income neighborhoods we would spend a lot of time with kids we would provide a meal games activities all these all these different things to get the kids engaged to get the parents out when it was warm outside we would we would do this outside and it was accompanied with worship and i would do a short message short for me is about 10 minutes 15 minutes and then afterwards often i would just have the opportunity to go into this room which was the office of the the case the caseworker that was that was always on staff there and i would have the opportunity to talk to people about very serious marital problems individuals that were that knew they were getting ready to go to jail in the next few weeks addiction a lot of different kind of things like this and i guess what was so important was that this was very different than the business of the church. Whenever you think about on Sunday mornings, we have to make sure that everything is in order and it goes perfect and we execute things very well. And we have to have this perfect programming for our, our small group ministry or for our kids ministry and all these things that we try to do to follow the patterns that other people are doing. We see a successful model and we immediately think that that's what God wants us to do. But there is a presence that was in this place that was like nothing that I had ever experienced before at this stage of my life. Uh, this kind of ministry introduced me to people and to situations that were di- very different for me, very different than what I grew up in, uh, very different from, uh, from the perspective of, of race, very different from the perspective of, of socioeconomic goods, what, it, what an individual may have. So a lot of times we think about doing mission trips in third-world countries when a lot of times the needs are in our own neighborhood. We're just on our phones so much that we're not paying attention. But there are these desperate needs that are around us everywhere. And this kind of incarnational within a local context ministry actually gave me more growth than seminary, books that I've read, and church activities all combined and it formed something in me—a theology that still survives to this day and is burning very, very strong. Another, another good relationship, another important thing for me—and this was before I was even in pastoral ministry—was that there was a, a person, a, an older guy at a, at a nursing home, that I connected with. His name was Billy. His name is Billy Coffee. and I started to go visit him every single Tuesday. I would help him eat. I would, I would uh, speak with him. And this was before in my life, this was before I felt the pressure of having to put sermons together, having to deal with the conflict with people, all of that kind of stuff. There was just no, there was no pressure. It was all just a very wonderful, relaxed, spirit-filled thing that also uh, deeply developed my theology. In fact, I started going up and getting him every Sunday morning. This is before I was preaching and taking him to church every single Sunday morning. He's not able to go now there because of the all of the restrictions with nursing homes and things like that but prior to that he was attending all right so we're in the fourth part of our 2021 vision series that we are calling movement all right and every week we have started by identifying our mission statement all right our mission statement is to help broken people become devoted followers of Jesus so why do we exist what is our purpose What is it that drives every single thing that we do? Whenever we talk about outreach, whenever we talk about kids' ministry, whenever we talk about student ministry, whenever we talk about worship, the things that you see up here, why do we exist? Okay, It's to help broken people become devoted followers of Jesus. We've also said that broken falls into a number of categories. It can mean poor. It can mean addicted. It can mean uh, divorced and struggling with that. It can mean loneliness. It can mean uh, mental health and mental illness issues. It can mean uh, a deep level of fear that a person has just this overwhelming fear to step into a a new place in life struggling with acceptance, insecurity. There's a zillion different things. you know you could talk about a very wealthy person that really, really struggles with greed. Right, so we're talking about broken in a general sense, but to help individuals, because as a precursor to coming to Jesus, it's important to understand your brokenness. All right, so to help broken people become devoted followers of Jesus. Well, how in the world do we do this? How is it this is accomplished? We then talked about our vision. All right, Our vision is to create environments, plural, not just here on Sundays, because this is just a small portion of the church. The church is supposed to be everywhere. The church is supposed to be active in everything. So this is one environment, but we're talking about environments. So the kind of work we are doing in the community. What Tyler is doing on Wednesday nights with students. All of these different things we're talking about environments, where this kingdom of God concept that we've still not completely broken open is visible. Other people can see it. And because it's so real and because it's so authentic, it's also contagious. All right, great. But how do you do that? How is it that you actually get to that? We talked about four core values that will drive everything that we do. All right, two weeks ago, we talked about formation. Formation is the process of becoming students of Jesus. All right, what does it mean in an apprenticeship, in a student-teacher relationship to become students of Jesus. Last week we talked about community, and this is to follow Jesus together. We don't have an individualized spirituality. It's a community thing that we do together. All right, if you haven't been here, make sure you go back and listen to those those messages, those teachings. Today we're going to talk about servanthood, and then next week we'll talk about multiplication. Multiplication. All right, so today we're going to highlight our third core value, which is servanthood. And this is one of my favorites because it has to be there. And it is to love others like Jesus. All right, so to be students of Jesus, to follow Jesus together, but then also to love others like Jesus. And it is remarkable to me how many people miss this. I mean, it is absolutely astounding How many people go to church every single Sunday, put on a religious facade and face, and have no idea what it really means to love others? And people tell me, well, I love other people if they're Christians. I love other people if they're in my my political party. I love other people unless they've really offended me and there's a strain in our relationship. I love other people as long as they agree with me about the majority of things. And my personal opinion is that this is the most basic foundation of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And the majority of people completely miss it. So there are three important passages that I'd like to share with you today. I, I see these as, as all related, okay? So in this first passage, w- which is in John, if you want to turn there, John 13, in his first passage, Jesus offers the disciples the great commandment, all right, to, to love others. All right, so in the first passage, Jesus offers the great commandment. In the second passage that I want to look at, Paul offers to the church in Galatia the great commandment commandment. And then lastly, James, which many of us believe to be the brother of Jesus, actually gives the great commandment hands and feet. All right. And kind of shows what it's supposed to look like. All right. John chapter, uh, John chapter 13, verses 34 through 35. If, you, if you've not turned there, because I'm going to skip around really quickly, just kind of look up on the screen right here. All right. So this is Jesus to the disciples. I give you a new commandment. All right, something new for you to understand. Love each other. Love each other. Agape, unconditional, unrestrained, unfettered, unfiltered love for one another. Make sure that you are practicing that. Just as I have loved you and shown you this example... So, you must also love each other. This is key right here. This is how everyone will know that you are my disciples. By how much you attend church? No. This is how people will know that you're my disciples. By trying to be a really good person. All right. This is how people will know that you're my disciples. By how much biblical or church knowledge you have right here? No. This is how people will know that you are my disciples when you love each other. Paul in Galatians five: thirteen through fourteen, uh, several years later, twenty, thirty years later. You were called to freedom. This freedom is through grace. So you have been given a completely new life. You're not constrained by the law. That's what's going on to the church in Galatia. You have been given... Freedom, brothers and sisters, only don't let this freedom be an opportunity to indulge your selfish impulses. Like, how many people that you, do you know that have said, okay, well, I'm free in Christ, I've accepted Jesus, I'm saved, therefore I have permission to kind of go do whatever I want to because God has forgiven me, all is good, I'm going to go to heaven when I die, so I kind of need to figure out how I'm supposed to live my life. No! That's not what's going on. He says to avoid your selfish impulses, but instead use this beautiful freedom to serve each other through love. But Matt, you don't know how she treated me. You don't know how estranged this relationship is with my mom and my sister or my uncle. You don't know how he humiliated me and made me feel. You see, growth in Jesus is often not found on a Sunday morning coming to a religious service. It's working through extremely complex, difficult relationships and choosing love. Even when it hurts, even when it's painful, even when that pride is really Start up. That's what this whole thing is about, yet we've missed it for a long time. All the law has been fulfilled in one single statement. Everything in the Torah, remember Jesus came to say he didn't abolish the law, but to fulfill the law? All the law has been fulfilled in one single statement. And this is actually from Leviticus 19.18. Love your neighbor as yourself. James 1.27, as James really gives this some as I said, some hands and feet. Religion that is pure and undefiled before the Father is this. All right, Religion that is supposed to look the way that it is supposed to look is supposed to look a certain way. Care for orphans and widows and their distress. And what this means is for, that for some of you who don't know many orphans, or maybe you don't know many widows, this is the point, that in your middle class American comfort, there is not simply a responsibility, but a mandate to enter into the world of the other. You know what the other is? The other is, the other is anything that scares you. Uh, the other is anything that you consider unworthy. Uh, the other is anything that you consider to be darkness, not good, whatever it might look like. The other, someone who is not like you. And then also to keep oneself unsustained by the world. All right, we say that we do this. And we believe that we do this. But the kind of, these kinds of statements are made as we build walls and subtle, it's usually very subtle, hostility toward others. And I hate to say this, I really do. As a follower of Jesus, I really hate to say this, but I just don't think that Christians are known for love. I I, I just don't. I think one of the reasons that so many people choose not to go to church and have no affiliation with the things that we are part of is because they don't see individuals practicing What they preach. And unfortunately, what we're talking about today, the great commandment. It's like everything is built upon this foundation. And if you don't start here, it doesn't matter how much you preach about other things and you talk about other things, you're getting it wrong if you're missing the foundational piece. It doesn't matter. All of these other things that you can check off of your list. What did Jesus say was significant. What did Jesus point out as critical and important? Serve and love others. So this is this subtle hostility that I feel that we practice. It's the practice of positive religious expression, going through the motions, playing the role, showing up at the service, showing up at the the women's study, showing up at the, the... fellowship event with, with, around everyone that's just like you, showing up around all of these things, okay, in the midst of petty complaining, passive hatred, it, it's not outright, it's passive, and an emotionally immature spirituality that is directed toward particular people groups. Poor people. Hispanics. Republicans, Democrats, whatever it might look like, it's this, this subtle hostility, this inner anger, this inner darkness that people within the church can... Are you guys with me today? Okay, just making sure. Because we don't talk about this stuff very often. We'll pound our Bible on Sunday, we'll raise our hands in worship... And then we'll walk right by someone sitting on the street after we enjoy our Sunday uh, you know, lunch after church. And that is a terribly, terribly unfortunate thing. You see, I realized two important things years ago. All right, And, and, and the, these things ended up being the foundation of what I wanted to be as a Jesus follower. This is what I, this is what I learned. If I could learn the practice of genuine love, toward people different from me, or people that I didn't like, or people that I had a hard time getting along with. If I could do that, if I could focus all of my attention on right relationships, forgiveness, serving people that I didn't care for, serving the least of these, there was a very, very good chance that people would see Jesus in me. All right? I believed that. And I believe that today. Now, on the other side of things, if I practiced political prejudice, which I have, preachy behavior, and snubbed the least of these, I would just be another self-righteous religious person. And that was not acceptable to me. And today, that is not acceptable to me. So, we are being called toward genuine, Christ-like servanthood in our local context. So, whenever we talk about servanthood as our third core value, we're talking about a recognition of what's going on, an incarnational understanding of people around us and what's going on in the neighborhood. See, consider our vision. Our vision was to create environments where the kingdom of God is both visible and contagious. Consider our list of core values, which would be completely missed without servanthood. Because servanthood is how the kingdom of God actually breaks through. When you serve the poor, and some of you say, what are you talking about? When you serve the poor, the kingdom of God is breaking through. When you forgive that church member or that family member, the kingdom of God is breaking through. When you break bread with the Democrat or the Republican or the person that you can't stand, the kingdom of God is breaking through. When you make up with that difficult coworker that you can't get along with, the kingdom of God is breaking through. John Wesley once said, light yourself on fire with passion and people will come from miles just to watch you burn. When the kingdom of God breaks through, we are always serving and we are always loving others. Otherwise, We are just another religious club that is useless. I'm I'm not present in other churches today, obviously, or know exactly what's going on among other churches, but knowing that there are incredible expressions of the gospel in Johnson City, and Gray, and Kingsport, and Elizabeth and, and Bristol, and, and all of these different areas. And our desire, like some of these incredible churches, is to take that path, and not the path in which we see meeting on a Sunday morning. It's as great as worship has been today, as great as it's been from the community component, even with these stupid masks, to be around you guys and to feel the presence of some of you that I only get to see one time a week. We are missing it if we are missing this. So our desire, our vision is to make the kingdom of God visible and contagious, and and just a little bit of real talk here for a lot of people that are in the church, and for that matter, people who are outside of the church, like we said last week, that identify themselves as as spiritual but not religious, or they they, they love God, they love Jesus and all these things, but they don't like organized religion. Some of the the problems uh, with that kind of discussion that we talked about last week, the biggest reason that we miss this in our lives is because of Pride. And every single day, people go to hell because of pride. Can't forgive others. Can't make that phone call. See other people in our lives as unworthy. See other people in our lives as below where we are. You mean I'm supposed to serve that person? You mean I'm supposed to be around those kinds of people? Well, didn't we say with our first core value formation it was to become students of Jesus, and if we're going to become students of Jesus, we should do the things that Jesus did? Doesn't that seem to just make natural sense? So we are being called as a church to know and understand the local. To understand the local in completely new ways. Uh, one of my favorite artists is um, Andrew Wythe, uh, an American an American artist. Uh, his style is often referred to as domestic realism. And even if you're not an art person, if you saw some of his work, you would probably be uh, familiar with it. Do you pull up that picture of Christina's world. if you. I don't know if that's the next slide. It'd be the slide after that, I think. Pull up that picture of Christina's world. There you go. So you, raise your hand if you recognize that. Okay, several of you, this side of the room, is this the artsy people? And this side of the room doesn't know. Uh, I actually bought this from, from my grandmother several years ago because this is actually his most well-known piece. And, and, and I'm not going to get into how many different ways you could interpret this because that's not the point today. But this is what I do want to say about Andrew uh, Wythe. Uh, in more than 50 years of painting, he never tried to capture a landscape outside of his hometown in Bedford Falls, I believe is what it's called, in Pennsylvania, or in his summer home in Maine. So consider this. This man touched the entire world with gifts that he never exercised outside of his own backyard. All right, Wythe had a love for the local. He had an understanding of the local, and this is what he said. Most artists look for something new to paint, which to me sounds really exciting, but he says, I find that boring. I prefer to find fresh meaning with something that is already familiar. Fresh meaning with something that is already familiar. My grandfather used to be very critical of me because I like to travel around the United States and then around the country, And he would say, you don't even know what's in your own backyard. And make those kinds of statements. And to some degree, there was probably some truth in that. And and as a church, often, we don't even know what's in our own backyard. Question for you guys. Series of questions. Have you ever looked into the eyes and really had a conversation with a homeless person? in downtown Johnson City, maybe in Kingsport, maybe in Elizabethan, maybe in Bristol, maybe in Gray, have you ever looked in the eyes of someone and brought their dignity up and had a conversation uh, with them? Have you ever talked to a local addict, someone that you know, maybe someone in your family, maybe, maybe a friend, maybe a former friend, maybe a co-worker? And before you drew a ton of judgment about where they were, you truly listened to what was going on in their life and what their experience was like. Have you taken the time to consider that this business right up here that's building is a lot like ours, same same builders, owners too, that this building that is right up here that employs, I don't know how many people, it's in our own backyard, that there are a lot of people that live up, that that work up there because I see them all through the week, talk to people all through the week that don't go to church, that don't know Jesus. You want to know one of my primary thoughts, and I've talked to Beth about this, I don't think I've mentioned this to anyone else, but one of my primary things that I want to do post-COVID, whenever we're able to interact in like a super normal way, is once a week serve a meal, like offer lunch, like a, a truck or something to the people that work in that factory right there. I even know what time. They usually go out at 1130 to offer something like it. Do you have an understanding of what's right around you? I, th- I think what's troubling to me is that we live in such a corporate church world that we build like these cookie-cutter churches because there's a church in Atlanta or a church in Nashville or a church in Dallas, don't those seem to be the, the big places? There, there are churches in these places that like are doing things a certain way. Well, we've got to copy that because that leads to success. No, know the local. Know what's around you. Minister the gospel and build relationships with people that are in your own neighborhood. And instead, we're just like, we've got to do exactly what. Then we get into the ugly comparison game that I know that I've been in, that I struggle with, and and that is just not something that we want to do. So I want to repeat something that I said earlier, and I want this to really sink in. I learned that if I practiced genuine love, which takes work. I can't just say all of a sudden, I know Jesus, so I love everybody. No, it's hard. It's really, some people suck. I hate to say that, but it's the truth. Sometimes I do. People are extremely difficult. How do we learn to love them? How do we learn to bridge that gap? How do we learn to enter into their world instead of simply trying to pull them into our world? Well, they need to know Jesus. Well, they need to be like us. That's not where it starts. It starts in a very simple relationship in which you recognize them as human beings. Not just some test project to to do evangelism on. It has to start there. It has to start with that kind of love. So if I could do that, I could maybe show the transformative power of Jesus. If I practice political prejudice, preachy behavior, and snub the least of these, I would just be another self righteous religious person. I, I feel like we have enough of those. And I feel like people can smell a phony a mile away. I'd like to close by sharing with you how this core value is lived out. Last week, we really placed a lot of emphasis on community groups, all right? But one thing that you've been hearing a little bit about, especially with Hope Bags and some other things that we're doing, are venture teams, all right? Venture teams are going to be an informal way, informal teams that come together to lead uh, local mission work. And by informal, I mean that the same groups Don't always work on the same projects together. If you have a group of people gathered to pack hope bags, like we often do, that would be a venture team. If we have individuals that are helping serve a meal within our local community, that is a venture team. If we have a group of people that are doing repairs on someone's home or someone's car, that is a venture team. Our work will be deeply structured. It will be highly organized, and it will be highly intentional. But this is the only area of the four where you will see more spontaneity. You will see more spontaneous work, because we want to be sensitive to everything that the Spirit is leading us to do. So we're going to be paying very close attention to that kind of work. Three important things that I want to leave you with today as you think about this, okay? The first is this. Never fall in love with good deeds as a way to God. All right, this is not a political movement. All right, this is not simple social justice. All right? And my life's work is not about making do-gooders. It's about making disciples. So I want you to understand that. This is not just about, okay, well, I went and, and helped the poor We help these individuals that are going through a difficult time in another country. We did this kind of local work. And and I feel so much better about myself. I must be closer to God now. Please understand why we're doing what we're doing. So don't fall in love with with the good that you do. Number two, always connect your deeds with planting the seeds of the gospel. You see, this is the way of the cross, This is all about the work that Jesus did for us. Going back to the the passage in Galatians, the reason that we are able to serve others is because we have been served. The reason that we are able to love others is because we have been loved. The reason that we are able to give this beyond simply doing good for a charity or a fundraiser is because God has moved us to do so. So we always connect our work with the work of the gospel. And then lastly, focus on making the kingdom of God through everything that you do as our vision states visible and contagious. You see, what I've learned and especially what I'm learning from millennials and Gen Z as I get A little bit older. Is that when people are paying attention. They're not paying attention. To how often on your lunch break. You pull out your big bible. Alright. They're not applauding your courage. To walk up to every cubicle. And ask people if they know Jesus. They are paying attention. To the way that you love. And especially the way that you love in difficult situations. So whenever we talk about formation, becoming students of Jesus, practicing the disciplines that Jesus practiced, whenever we talk about community, and that is uniting as one body and serving and living as one body, and then as we get to servanthood, where is the love? Where's the love? I mean, I I go back every single time that I think about this for the ability of Jesus to walk, uh, to wash the feet of the one who is going to betray. There is no greater form of love than that. So, metaphorically, all right, symbolically, as a church, Whose feet do we need to be washing? Where do we need to kneel? With the basin and with the towel and show how much we love. Would you pray with me? Father, we come to you uh, this morning. Thanking you for the mercy that you continue to pour out every single day in our, in our blind arrogance, in our unflinching desire to do for ourselves, in our pride, our anger toward others, our feelings of incompleteness. God, our desire is that you reveal the kingdom of God here on earth through us. And God, as we don't know all of our neighborhoods, all of our our areas around us really well, some of us, the prayer God is that you will show us where the needs are. Father, not simply to write a check, though a lot of times that's very, very helpful but for us to get into the messiness of the gospel work that you have called all of us to do. Thank you, Father, for the love that you first poured out upon us. In Jesus' name, amen.